When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hey, everybody. Happy 2019. I don't know about you, but I am so ready for a new year. The new year always sort of feels like a fresh start, sort of like the new school year. And today I'm talking with Dr. Lisa Walker. Dr. Walker is a speaker, a professor, a consultant, and she does a lot of work with companies around um, motivation and goal setting and communication. And I thought she would be a great person to talk with about getting ourselves motivated for change in the coming year and how to sort of set ourselves up for success. I know a lot of us, myself included, we want to change, we want to do things differently, but we're not exactly sure how. We're sort of stuck in the patterns of how we've been doing things all along, and it's sometimes a challenge to see outside of that. And she is an executive coach that helps people do that. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say and um, help all of us get motivated for a great year. Today, I'm talking with Dr. Lisa Walker, and I'm so excited to learn from you today about all the work you do in helping motivate people. And I mean, honestly, when I was reading your bio, I was motivated already. I mean, I was finding myself, I'm not kidding. I started researching um, CrossFit places to work out because I know you like to exercise. And it's funny because I didn't even make the connection right away. Like I started researching CrossFit places. I'm like, why are they doing this? And then I went back to your bio. I'm like, oh, she already got me excited about exercising. And, you know, so um, I'm very inspired by people who um, have so much energy, let's say. Um, So I would love to hear just sort of, sure, I would love to hear how you just sort of got into this type of work to begin with. Were you always interested in helping motivate people and get people going? Was this always just who you are? So, you know, yeah, I, I do believe that I was wired this way. I, I, I like to say I was stamped by my grandmother as a child in Jamaica, that that's my calling, that my calling is to inspire, motivate, and educate folks. So every job that I've had um, since my early years, it's been centered on that. One of my first gigs when I lived in Providence, Rhode Island, was to motivate and inspire 
inspire girls in high school and middle school who were pregnant or parenting and inspire them to stay in school to graduate and to go on to training or college. And that was tough work, interesting work, and I loved it because what I what I learned from that is that when we pour into people, boy, they grow just like vegetables or flowers. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of even further ignited my passion for this. Then I went on and I studied, of course, I spent a gazillion years in school mm-hmm. and became a, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, and um, practiced in that area for a number of years. And I taught at the University of Texas at Austin as well. And while doing work in psychology, I specialized in helping families who were going through divorce and needed a psychologist to help them navigate the process, whether it was because it had become a highly um, a high conflict case or because his parents just wanted to ensure they were managing the process in a way that was beneficial for them but more so to protect their children. And so I worked in that area for a long time and while I was doing that work, I kept being asked over and over and over by business folks who had worked on their case, can you help me with the situation at my company? That might have been two business partners or the owner of a company or whatever. They would, so this happened organically. They would invite me to please help me work with my business partner. And over time, I find I found myself transitioning from the clinical work to coaching. So what did I do? I decided to go back to school and get <laughs> trained all over again. You're a woman after my own heart. I love school. I do. I love school. Yeah. Yeah, I love whether I'm the student or the, the professor. I love being so yeah, I went back and got myself well trained and um, really then entered into the corporate world. And so a lot of my clients are, um, you know, women like you and I who are figuring out how to be the best professional, to be the best business person. And then I have my skills corporate clients where I go in and coach leaders from the manage, manager level all the way to senior VP to executives about how to be more effective in their role as a leader. That is amazing. I've I've learned a lot from my husband because he's done some training in this field and I think when I when he told me what he was doing, I think I didn't realize how much um training someone to be a better leader is teaching someone about who they are to begin with. Because if you don't know who you are and what you're already coming into the scenario with, you can't then go to the next step and lead other people. And I just I don't know why. I I just never really knew that that's what it was all about. And it's really cool. And I mean, to me, it's almost like you get people in the door that maybe wouldn't have gotten in the door anyway for their own stuff. You hit the nail on the head. I say to the folks that I work with that the foundation of it is self-awareness. So that's where I start the work with my leaders, having them, having clarity on who they are, where they're coming from, why they think the way they think, behave the way they do. And then when we take a good look at that, we can then determine what needs to be tweaked or even thrown out and rewired, that sort of thing. But yeah, self-awareness has got to be the first place that we start in order to develop someone as an excellent leader. And I just was curious for my own knowledge, what, what would you say is the biggest difference in working with someone in a clinical setting versus working with someone in a coaching setting? How, how do you as the provider go into that space differently in those two different yeah. environments? Yeah, so that's a great question. And people ask that all the time. And in fact, each time I take on a new engagement, I do have to clarify that with my clients. When I was in uh, wearing my clinical hat, 
um, they're coming into an expert who is going to listen to their story, um, figure out what the problem is, and provide guidance or guidelines, literally, on what to do. Coaching is quite different in that coaching is a partnership, literally a partnership between equals, and so the executive coaches, which is the role I play, and the clients partner together and develop the solution to any challenges, obstacles, or opportunities that they're working on. So while I have a ton of tools in my toolbox, all the training and certifications, and even my clinical background, my, my job is not to go in and say, here's the problem, here's the answer. My job is to help my client expand her mind, expand his mind, but then through conversation to really develop clarity on what the challenge is or what the opportunity is. And then together we explore what are the options for addressing this. Mm-hmm. And once we figure out the options, so what do we do? And how do we ensure that we continue to go in the right direction? How do we keep ourselves accountable? accountable to moving in the right direction. So it's a different kind of partnership where um, the success, I believe, is really in the hands of the clients to do the work. Um, when a coach goes in and it's all about the coach and how skilled she is and all that stuff, you miss the mark completely. Because if the client isn't leaning in and doing the work, no matter how brilliant and how skilled and trained that coach is, um, the results aren't going to be there, the kind of results that they're looking for. Hmm, that's interesting. Do you ever wonder if more um, typical like clinical practice should be more similar to coaching or do you think that they each has its own place kind of thing I you know I think there's a role for it yeah. I think there's a place there because I would say perhaps the last five years of my practice I did more coaching than I did clinical work and I realized how much I loved the coaching portion of my work mm-hmm. I love how empowered my clients felt and I loved um, the synergy that came from that partnership that, do, that developed because of, you know, how empowered they felt. And so um, I feel it should be part of it. In fact, I have an opportunity coming up shortly where I get to talk with a bunch of clinicians about using some coaching techniques to enhance the work that they do. That sounds so there's a, amazing. There's a relationship there. They're like, they're like cousins, you know, coaching and therapy. So you find... A lot of my colleagues, for example, uh, who are executive coaches, um, come from a clinical background. A lot of my colleagues are psychologists or social workers. So it it provides us with a really solid foundation of understanding um, the mind, um, uh, biology, how the brain works, human behavior, because that's all part of what we're dealing with as we're supporting others um, in growing. I love that. Well, and that was part of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you because, you know, so you are my very first interview of 2019. So let the (laughs) confetti fly. Um, (laughs) And, um, but, you know, I've been reading so much about, you know, people setting their goals for the new year and, um, and then some people are posting things. I mean, you know, social media gives us access to everybody's passing thoughts, um, mine included sometimes. But um, then some people are posting things saying, you know, you don't need to make a resolution. You're good who you are and that kind of thing. And I think that there's sort of a place in between, right? It's like we can be okay with who we are, but then what do we want to do next? You know, what do we need to yeah. look back on and, and learn from? And um, so I was really curious to hear from you. What do you think sort of, uh, I guess, what, what makes for the best recipe for success? You know, if somebody's looking uh-huh. to make changes, what... What do you think needs to be in place to get that going? Or, yeah, yeah, 
And so for me, I'm in the goal setting business. That's that's my nature. That's um, how I approach the work with my clients to you know have clarity. First of all, have clarity on what it is that you want. And if you don't know really what you want, have someone help you figure out what that is. When we know what we want, it's easier for us to develop a pathway to get there and to work on our mindset to help us to get there. So all of my clients, before we start the deep dive into coaching, we develop our coaching goals. We make those goals things that are smart so that we can measure those goals. We can track them there. We're not going to push goals that are so far out there that you can't reach it. And we also put... uh, uh, parameters in place that, you know, should you miss your mark, say, at a certain interval that you're measuring, that's not a failure. You just get back right on track and figure out how to take you from point B. You're now at point C. How to take you from point C to point D. So having a specific goal in place that you can measure and you can track and it's predictable and it's reachable, that's all important. Most of the things that I've done in life, personal accomplishments, job accomplishments, financial accomplishments, it's because I've had specific and clear goals and then I've followed up and my clients in a similar way followed up with an action step to ensure that you accomplish those goals. And, and I believe, and I see this with my clients over and over and over, when you have a system like that in place, you are more likely to overreach your goals. Oh, I love that. It's funny because as, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, oh, I love this idea, but I also know myself and I know I'm not a super, I'm not that great at um, measurement. You know what I mean? I think uh-huh. I, I'm I'm more of a generalist, I guess. However, I do uh-huh. recognize the value in measurement and I can see uh-huh. how having someone help me might yeah. just help me organize my thoughts to a certain extent. And I was a lot like you, Megan. I was a lot like, oh, I... I have a kind of a idea in my head about what it is that I'm looking for. I was kind of good with that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I'll kind of know when I get there. Over time, as I studied successful people and I observed them more and more, and especially as I got the opportunity to work with more and more super successful folks, folks who were, you know, leaders in major organizations, you begin to see certain patterns, and it's it's easy for you to then start to recognize the framework that allows these folks to be successful. And one of it is that these folks have a vision, they have big dreams, and they know that in order for them to get there, um, they've got to have a mindset that supports them in getting there. And part of that is, is I've got to do certain things at a certain time in a certain way. It doesn't mean you're being rigid. It just means that, for example, an athlete who's going to run in the Olympics, that's a huge vision, right? And they've got to have certain weekly, monthly, daily goals that they're following. So they may have to work out, you know, an hour or two per day. Then they have to eat a certain way. So when you take it in smaller chunks, you see where it becomes much more mental. But having those things in place makes it easy to accomplish the goal. So like you, I was a generalist before, but having observed others and wanting to be successful myself, I realized, yeah, I've got to embrace some of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always as strict as I'd like to be, absolutely not. But more times than not, I uh, it's become habitual now for me to kind of follow my plan that I put in place and be checking myself to make sure that, you know, I'm at least going in the same direction that I really want to go mm-hmm. in. And what would you say to someone who's listening? You know, a lot of the people listen 
and our parents and who feel like their life is just so busy already. Like who has time for, for making goals for myself? Like I just, I'm trying to keep these people alive. I'm trying to get people to school, you know, just people that are just feeling like they're treading water at this point and don't know that they have that kind of energy to give. Yeah. And here's what I found. What I've discovered, I'm glad you asked the question, is that when I was at my worst and I was um, sort of scattered and burnt out and tired and, yeah, my business was going great, but I was so busy and I had kids in school and being pulled in different directions, what I figured out, with help, but I finally figured it out, was that when I allowed myself to follow whatever plan I started for the year, because I would start a plan, and then by about May, April, I'm kind of on the plan, but not so much on the plan, right? <laughs> whatever those goalposts I had in mind, they were kind of shifting around. And with, with the help of a coach, I realized, I found out that I did so much better when I stuck to the plan, but I needed help. I needed accountability, right? And so being on the plan actually freed up my mind. I didn't have to waste so much energy trying to play catch-up. I didn't have to waste so much energy trying to figure out, where do I go next? What do I do with this? Because my plan became the support. So not only was it a physical support pointing me in the direction of what to do next or what's coming down the pike, it freed up my brain space so I didn't have to worry about that much. You know, I'm going to give you an example of it several years ago, and I was still um, I was still in clinical practice, yeah. And I remember I was doing a lot of work within the court system. I was constantly writing reports for families that I was working with. So I was sitting in my living room, and I had shorts on, my laptop on my lap, and it was late at night, and I looked down, and I saw these dimples in my legs. And I'm like, holy cow, I'm becoming middle-aged. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember laughing at my husband and said, what are you talking about? I said, well, these dimples in my leg. And so I kind of just um, digressed for a moment and I Googled boot camp or no, exercise or something like that. And what popped up was a $39 coupon for a boot camp that was about 10 minutes away from my house. And the, the dimples had distracted me so much and made me feel so bad about my leg. I thought, maybe this is what I need. I need to go to boot camp. I bought the Groupon, and after buying Groupon, I'm like, okay, my schedule is so tight right now, where on earth am I going to find time to do this? But something said to me, you know what, you're not sleeping well, you're really tired, you're overworked, you're feeling sluggish, maybe this is something you need. So the next morning, before work, I went to the gym, and when I went in, it was mainly ladies in the gym, and they were, they all, they all looked fit. That's what I remember. And, you know, they all seemed that they knew what they were doing. And they were pumping iron. And I got sick halfway through the workout. It was it was so tough. Mark you, I still think I was I was healthy but not as physical and fit as I needed to be. And the workout session was so strenuous that I got sick and halfway through I decided that I'm gonna I'm gonna leave and that's not me, but I just felt like, Oh my gosh mm-hmm. and the girls were so amazing. They're like, No, we say you gotta come back tomorrow. Make sure you eat a little something before you come in. And so they encouraged me. The next day I showed up, and this is, what, seven, eight years later, and boot camp is my life. It's my life. When I get up in the morning, I don't even think about whether or not I am going to boot camp. It's, I think about stepping into my workout clothes and heading to the gym. Mm-hmm. Whether it's 29 degrees outside or 39 degrees or 69 degrees or whatever, 
I'm heading off to boot camp. Now, if you had asked me before I made the decision to go, if my schedule had the time, I would have told you no. Because of that change that I've made in my life, it's made me so much more focused because I'm healthier, right? I mean, it's just changed my life in so many ways. And initially, I didn't think I had time for this. I really didn't. I mean, it's changed my life for the better. No, that's such a perfect example, too, of just that habits over time. And what I find challenging sometimes is I get in good routines and then I can kind of fall off the horse because of yeah. life life happening. You know, some, something happens that just sort of gets me off track. But I think what I, I see now and I know for myself is that when I'm off track, I know I can get back on because I have before. You know, it's hard sometimes when you that's get right. off track and you, you haven't gotten back on, but... Um, I'm hope, um, planning. I was about to say I'm hoping. I'm planning to get back on track. <laughs> yeah. You just use language to just reframe that just now mm-hmm. and put it in a positive way. So you know what? You will follow through because we're thinking so much um, supports whatever output we have. So you're just thinking in that positive way. It's going to help you accomplish whatever it is that you want to do. That's pretty powerful. Well, thank you. Thank you. I um I have my children constantly calling me out, so I feel like I've gotten better at checking myself. You know? <laughs> um, we all have to. So, uh, so what would you say are the main um, ways that people kind of end up sabotaging themselves? You know, you, you're coming in with the best intentions for making changes for yeah. yourself, whether it be, you know, getting in better health or, um, you know, getting promoted what would you say are some some common reasons why people kind of tie themselves up? Okay, I'm going to tell you the biggest one for the one I know. Okay. And I was just before you and I started talking, I was working on a workshop that I'm uh, doing for a major tech company here locally in Austin, and um, writing about the stories that we tell ourselves. And... One of the things that I've experienced with my clients over and over and over again that the biggest obstacle that gets in the way of us accomplishing what we want to do is the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, Mm -hmm. about the situation, about people around us, about whether we are worthy, we're worth it, can we do this? When we figure out how to change those stories, that is magical. So I teach this a lot in workshops and public speaking that we are able to overcome any obstacle. We are wired to overcome obstacles, no matter what those obstacles are. So whether it's the stories we tell ourselves about what we can or can't do or anything else, our brain is already pre-wired to help us push past that. So it's the biggest one. There are lots of other reasons why folks don't do the things that they set out or they say they want to do. But I think our stories, which anchors our mindset, is the biggest challenge that I've seen other space. And here's the, the, the real feature with this. What gets me so excited is that we know we can fix that. We can change that. So I believe literally what I preach and what I practice is that everyone can overcome obstacles. The trick is just knowing how to do that. Right? And there are strategies that we know how to make that happen. So when we change our stories, we change our lives. So, for example, making a decision that I will do X, Y, Z, whatever that thing is, that I will, and then you start developing new stories, could be affirmations, could be the things you think and the 
I love that. You you have a lot to offer. I think I might have to <laughs> sign up. <laughs> but there's some like old commercial. It was like, I'm not just a doctor, I'm also a member or something like that. I don't I don't remember what it is, but I just keep thinking that I might have to get some help. Just because I think I'm not I'm not a disorganized person and I don't think that but I think life has also just gotten so much busier. You know, when we have these tools, these things that we know, like okay, we can rewire the mind. But we also have so much input from our phones and our beeps and the, the you know, the alarms we have. And I don't know. It just seems like we our brains are getting so much more input um, yeah. that it, it can be difficult. I mean, even, even with the best intentions. And that's where I think, yeah. you know, seeking help um, to get sort of get your, your brain organized. And what do you want? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you that the distraction are enormous. Mm -hmm. So when you and I were little kids growing up, we didn't have the little distraction that our kids have. Now having said that, yet, because the brain is the most powerful machine on the planet, and the fact is that we get to control our brain, right? We still have control over all of that. And we make little decisions. We make little decisions like, um, do I always keep my notifications on in my phone? Or if I'm working, do I allow my phone to buzz and let me know that there's a, you know, a text or something? And so we get to make those decisions. We get to make the decisions about, you know, how much intrusion we allow in our house. I mean, and, and, and this is not a judgment call or at all. It's just that we have the freedom. We get to make those decisions. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I know, for example, like, um, my daughter will be on her phone a lot. And every time a text comes through, she'll check check that text right away. And she'll get a little antsy with me because I don't always um, check my texts as soon as they come in because I choose not to respond immediately or not to even address it because I may not want to break my train of thought mm -hmm. in a, something I'm writing or something I'm reading or whatever. So, again... This powerful machine, which is the brain, we get to control and we get to determine what we're going to direct our attentions to. And sometimes I do that better than others. And at times I do, you know, that is it's okay. But don't, you know, I, I get picked off of myself because I don't accomplish all the things that I want to get accomplished because I love myself to be distracted. Mm -hmm. I love that new feature with the iPhones of the um, time limits and it'll give mm -hmm. you the, the, um, your stats for the week. And I mean, yeah. it can be kind of disgusting. Like you're like, Oh, <laughs> that is not a number I want to see. Um, oh and so oh that's God. helped me. Yes. Yes. Um, but I, I think it's just, I love the idea that we have more power than we sometimes acknowledge. You know, I did some, do you know about unroll me? It's like where you can, um, get your, all your sort of junky emails put in one daily email. And that to me was amazing oh. because it just takes, and then you just see the emails that matter to you that are actually to you, yeah. you know, um, yeah. just little things like that. Um, so I'm wondering, I know I read on your website that you, your work is informed by your faith. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and sort of what role your faith plays in your work. Well, you know, I am a firm believer that um, I was created by God to serve a, a purpose on this planet. I, I really believe that. So I'm not a sort of a woo-woo person out there who is feeling 
Bible verses and chapters to anyone. Um, however, I believe that you know God designed me to touch people's lives through um, through loving, through caring, um, through teaching and sharing. And so I try to do that. And there are days when I do that um, not so well, and there are other days when I believe I do that very well. And I thank God every day for the opportunity to be able to do that. You know, I I would always say to my clients, especially. Uh, my clients coming in with tough personal stuff when I did clinical work that, you know, I'm trying to create a sacred space here. And again, it's not because we're taking out the Bible, but it's because as I enter the space for the client, I'm believing that this is part of my mission and it's, and it's sacred work. And so, you know, prayer and meditation is a huge part of my practice. When I, you know, wake up in the morning, um, the first thing for me is, um, thanking God, being grateful, no matter what kind of crisis I'm going through, being thankful to God. And, and I, you know, a personal story is uh, a few years ago, my was diagnosed with a deadly form of cancer. Thank God, knock on wood, he's doing well. He was not, however, um, expected to survive when he was diagnosed, a rare form of cancer that affects young folks, and most folks die within 12 months. And, you know, it was my faith friends and family, and I know that for a fact, that, um, you know, helped me through that time. Also, boot camp and Spartan mm-hmm. races, that really started running crazy Spartan races um, on a regular basis. But yeah, um, that's, that's a huge part of my, my life, and, um, you know, I, I choose, I make the choice to see each of my clients as a gift from God, giving me the opportunity to touch their lives just as they're touching my lives. Because it's another thing I learn and grow from each of my clients and each person I get to work with and interact with because, again, I believe God placed them in my life for a specific reason. So I'm always looking for, okay, what am I to give to this person that God wants me to and what are they giving to me that God has brought them forward to give to me? So it's, it's simple, but it, it works for me. It makes my life has meaning. Mm-hmm. And so the, when, when there are really tough days, that's a place for me to go to say, you know, this is a tough day, but God has a reason. He has a purpose for me. He has a reason for putting me in this situation. He has a reason for putting me with this particular client, you know, or, or whatever the situation is. So, yeah, that's, that's a huge part of my life. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, it's... Uh... It's, it's interesting because when I started this podcast, that was one of the things that I felt, one, I wanted to give people access to resources that were out there to help them, you know, just guide them in a new direction, get them help, get them support. Um, but also what I've realized over time is just that connection between all of us that, you know, whatever differences we're going through or whatever um, different experiences there are, there's so much thread thread that sort of connects us all. And it's been really fun for me to sort of see something that I did not anticipate that I wasn't sort of setting out to do. I was setting out to be like the, you know, I'm going to help inform people and I've learned so much <laughs> Really, I mean, right. Isn't that how it always is? Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. I agree with you. Yeah. Which is what every, every person I work with, I'm always so excited and curious about what am I going to learn? Mm-hmm. What am I, how am I going to grow in this? What am I going to learn? And right. it's an exciting thing. It's like I'm on, a, I'm on an adventure. Yes. Um, each time I, you know, start an engagement to the client. So, yeah. 
Well, that's what I love learning this way because, as I said, I do like school, but school is expensive. So it's better to learn from people than just from school. <laughs> I was wondering if there's anything that you were hoping that I'd ask you about that I haven't asked you about yet. Hmm. Well, one thing I'd love to share is, um, you know, so I, I mentioned a bit about last about boot camp. And so and I shared a little bit about how I got into that. And, you know, something as simple as starting an exercise program really transformed my life. Um, things that I didn't think I could do, I now do without blinking an eyelash um, because I now, I'm now able to use my understanding and intellect as a professional based on all the training, but partnering that with the experience that I can actually push through any obstacle that comes my way and know with full confidence that I can, it's life-changing. You know, this summer I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with my husband, which is one of the highest mountains in the world. It's in Tanzania. And we prepared for months, hiking every weekend, um, to get ourselves ready um, for hiking this mountain. Um, we left base camp at midnight, the last night of the trek. The plan was to reach the top of Kilimanjaro by about 6.30 in the morning to watch the sunrise. Well, the last leg of our, of our trip that night, about two hours left, and I went blind. I lost my sight. Like, completely went blind from uh, pressure on my eyeball. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, so Scary. There's a lot of ice and snow. I yeah. know. Um, there's a lot of ice and snow. And quite often when folks go blind uh, mountain climbing, which, which I had read before that it could, go, it could happen, it's usually from the glare from the snow. In my case, I believe it was from the pressure. But you know what? Something in me caused me to decide that I am going to go. I, even though I couldn't see, that I'm still going to go to the top of the mountain. And I honestly believe that I had a life-changing experience those last two hours, literally walking in this dark tunnel because that's how it felt. Um, could hardly breathe because by now you're so high up in the, in the, in the heavens that your breathing is shallow and your steps are an inch at a time. But with my guide by my side and my husband behind me, I felt like I was in this tunnel, literally, with God. And I know this sounds weird, but this was my experience. It was in this place, and I just felt so calm and peaceful and empowered that, oh my gosh, as scary and as difficult and as painful as this thing is, I'm doing it. And then since I did that, I've become completely convinced that we can push ourselves beyond our limits, we can live beyond our limits and accomplish our dreams if we make up our minds to do it. Mm. So no matter what that thing is, I believe, that gets in our way, we can do it when we make the decision because the moment of transformation is actually when we make that decision. Very that, cool. That was solidified for me in that experience. That is amazing. That's incredible. I, I'm... That is a powerful, powerful story. Yeah. I think you need to write a book. I am writing a book. Oh, good. I'm in the middle of writing a book, and I'm doing a keynote, um, doing keynote presentations using this as sort of the, the foundation for it. So it's really giving folks the strategies um, to develop the mindset and things that one needs to do in order to overcome obstacles. Right. Well, and it's cool to have an experience like that because even though you know it on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes it's that big yeah. experience that just is like, 
okay, we're not messing around anymore. This is for yeah, real, no. and I know it. Yeah, it became yeah. real for me. Yeah. It truly became real, like a living, breathing mm-hmm. thing. And so the, the, the urgency to get this out of me and help others know this and understand this so they can do what they need to do, the urgency is so powerful that I have to get it out. This is one question I have. I know you have a family. What What do you think, how, how do you think that this um, way of looking at the world and helping other people has transformed your family life? How does it impact the way you approach parenting and um, marriage and just your day-to-day life? Like basically when you're not helping other people, how do you see yeah. this impacting your own family? Yeah. So I, I, it makes me know and believe that no matter what it is that we're going through as a family, that um, we can get through this. Mm-hmm. You know, when Matt was diagnosed, a decision that I made earlier on was that I would not ask why me or why us, because that was negative stuff. I was never going to figure that out or understand that. So to just accept that, that this is where we are and figure out how best to support Matt to you, how best to take care of the family while we're going through this very scary period in our lives Um, and and it was scary because uh, young people were being diagnosed month after month after that and within months were passing away so just having this approach that um, being positive um, allows you to override a lot of the tough stuff that you go through so when I talked earlier about the mindset about really fashioning your mindset to align with the goals that you want it, it is really powerful because I wanted the family to not be so scared to for us to be as normal as we could be during that rough time with Matthew to still continue to do the things that we needed to do. Her sister was in the process of applying to college and taking her SATs and doing all those important things you do in your last year in high school to get into the you know the best college that was for her and. By the grace of God, she was able, she got into all the schools she wanted and then got to choose. And it wasn't an easy thing. It was a thing that we focused on, you know, thinking a certain way, behaving a certain way so that a family could do well, despite Mm. the challenges that we were facing, you know. So, yeah, it's, and, and, and sometimes when we do that, sometimes I do that better than other times. Right. That was a test for us. Um, you know, that time was a time of test for us, and thank God we survived it, you know? Right. No, that makes sense. And I think that that's important to mention, too. I think sometimes people think that, oh, this person has it all figured out. They never have. And I think it's almost that compassion when it doesn't go perfectly yeah. and it doesn't, you know, it's not all wrapped up in a bow. Um, yeah. But that getting back up and kind of, okay, what, 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 how did I miss the mark in that experience? And then, how do I change it? Um, I love that. The last question I always ask people is um, about their own self-care, although I think I might know your answer. Um, but, but I'm just wondering if you have any other um, self-care that you strategies that you use for yourself while you're taking care of other people and helping other people stay motivated. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are a few things that I do. Um, well, my exercise is number one. Yes. That's a big one for me. Something that I don't live without. That's like family food survey says. <laughs> 90%. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And I, I really do, do 
try to eat well, you know, probably follow the 80-20 plan where 80% of the time I'm eating really well, 20% of the time I'm like, oh, sugar, you're mm. good. <laughs> so I, I just I take care of myself. Surround myself with great friends. You know, my husband and I for the last 15 and a half years have facilitated a couples group. And these are just folks from different walks of life. We meet at our house twice a month on a Saturday evening. And we just become a family over time. And so we, we, we care for each other. We take care of each other. And uh, uh, things like that have just infused so much in my life. And I consider that self-care. Some folks would say, but, but you, that's a lot. That's work. You have folks coming to your house every other week. I don't even consider it work. I consider them coming in to pour into me, and it makes my life richer. Yeah. So that's number two. Number three is, you know, my connection with God, my devotional life. That's really important to me um, as well. I, I've got to feed my soul with that every day. Um, another aspect of self-care is that I belong to a number of professional groups where these are folks who we come together for the sole purpose of supporting and encouraging each other. Um, in the work that we do and share resources. Um, I also have a personal coach myself, um, and she helps, literally helps keep my, my head screwed on tightly so that I show up in the best shape for my clients and for myself as well. And then I love, love, love to garden. So I live for springtime. When spring comes, I'm one of the happiest people mm. in the world. I, I will spend hours in a gardening, in a nursery like Red Barn or someplace around town just wandering at the flowers and vegetables before it's time for me to purchase and put them in the ground. So, like right now I have broccoli, not broccoli, but asparagus growing in my garden for the first time, and they can handle winter. So I run up to the back and take a look to see how well my little kiddos are doing. And so gardening for me and being in the woods hiking, my husband and I hike a lot because we do a lot of trekking, including our mountain climbing. We do things like... Um, uh, uh, hike the Grand Canyon, rim to rim, you know, that sort of thing. It's pretty intense. Yes. Yeah, but it, for me, it's feeding my soul and feeding my body. So there's so many little things that I do, but those are some of the big ones that I'm really intentional about. Even though my my schedule is crazy, busy one would say, how do you find time to do those? Those are critical, so they're non-negotiable. They're on my schedule. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. They've got to be on my schedule because they, they, they maintain my sanity. And then I love to cook and eat for So, for example, like this Christmas, getting the opportunity to cook a lot and take care of friends and family, that was heavenly for me. So, yeah. Hmm. I love that. It's fun for me to find out. I mean, it gives me new ideas, too, you know? And um, I love hearing what people do to take care of themselves and how, how people make it happen, you know? And like you're saying, you yeah. sometimes you just have to write it down, make it happen because no one's going to carve that time out for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm over now, you know? <laughs> my, my daughter used to love to tease it again, more than half a century. I'm like, yeah, loving it. When you get to a certain age, you kind of, you, you kind of figure things out a little. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not doing things perfectly, but you've got your little ribbon now. So I know for example, you know, when the weather is great, I rush home from the gym and I run to the backyard. I'm not really doing anything to the plants most of the time. I just want to go say hello and see Aww, them. That's <laughs> that just fills me up and makes me feel good. Right. So, you know, you figure out the things that feed your soul and you keep doing that right. and get yourself fed. And it's funny because I think as you get older or as I get older, 
it doesn't really matter what other people do. You know what I mean? Um, what works for you might not work for me. Like yeah, I don't love exactly. to cook. I like to eat. My husband loves to cook and it just, but that's okay. It doesn't, I don't have yeah. to need to love to cook. And I think that as you get older, it's easy to, so easy, well, for me, it's been easier to shed those ideas of like, if I want to be happier, I need to do X, Y, and Z. But really Absolutely. it's like looking back at myself, what, what do I personally need? It, it might be different for you. Yeah. That is, that is, and that, that brings you so much joy and satisfaction in life when it's, you're not worrying about what other people think or what you should be doing. That's what you do. You know, for years I thought, man, my husband needs to learn to cook. That's, and then I realized, no, he's my cleaner upper. Yes. He, when I'm, when I'm cooking for hours in the kitchen because we're having friends over, he comes in every half an hour to an hour and he just cleans up all the mess I make. And then I go back and I do another way of cooking. I'm like, that works. There's right. There's no reason why he should love cooking because yes. I love cooking. Right. Well, it's funny. In my family, we have the people who love puzzles and the people who don't love puzzles. I do not love a puzzle. I would rather read, read a book. You know, to me, that's like, but that's good. Good. I know that about myself. Please don't buy me a puzzle. You know, nobody needs to get that for me. Um, so anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. I have loved talking to you. I do think that I might have to sign myself up, um, but we can talk about that at another time. Um, but it's been so fun hearing everything you know, and I love the work you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share with you, and um, I love what you're doing as well in putting these stories out there because... You know, I'm inspired by other people's stories, and I always hope that when I share something that somebody can get a nugget from it that can help them be inspired and do the things that they want to do. I love my conversation with Dr. Lisa Walker. You can learn more about Dr. Walker and her offerings at drwalkerconsulting.com. She primarily works with executives and companies and does um, individual work, facilitating groups. She does speaking. She does assessments. Um, So if you are interested in learning more about her, head to her website. And I just love talking to her. She got me excited about our own capacity for change. I think we so often can get stuck in thinking that the way we're living is the only way and that this is just our plot. And it's just kind of exciting to be reminded that we have more choices than we might always remember that we have and that it's important to notice where we have choice and and feel like we're making the choice we want to be making. So thank you, Dr. Lisa Walker, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Family Brain. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.